Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Hello, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. It has been at least, uh, well, I think it's been about two years since the last episode, and I decided it was time to start up again and try to keep this thing uh, more regular. I'll, I'll fill you in on what I've been doing in the last couple of years and another episode over time. But what I really want to talk about today is what's going on in the stock market and how that affects you and your retirement. If you're like most high earning W-2 wage earners, you're, you're probably primary, your primary investment vehicle right now is your 401k or IRA. And you've invested that through a financial advisor into some kind of mutual funds. And that in and of itself is a problem because the financial advisor, first of all, doesn't know what they're doing. Second of all, doesn't have your best, uh, you know, doesn't really have any fiduciary responsibility to you for the most part. What they care about is getting, you know, they care about getting the highest fees on, on the front end. And that reduces what you make on your investment. That is if you make anything at all. But of course, in the last six or seven years, if you've been doing this and you've been putting your money in the stock market and just watching it, um, it's been growing, right? It's, it seems to just be growing. And, um, you know, some of the major indices, such as the S&P 500, have grown 100, 200%. Why would you stop then, right? Well, if you stop and think about what's going on, it might start to scare you a little bit. If you look at what's going on, is we've got bad economic data coming out of everywhere. And every time that data comes through, it seems like the markets essentially respond by going higher and higher. How does that make sense? The earnings of these companies, that is the profits that they're reporting, are getting worse, but their prices keep going up. They continue to get valued at higher and higher valuations. The latest example of that was the May jobs report, which I believe was something like 38,000 new jobs, which was well over about 100,000 jobs less than we anticipated, and certainly the least jobs added since 2009. However, once that news came out, instead of the stock markets responding negatively, they responded very positively. So if you think about it, It sounds crazy, right? The economy is not doing well. 
even the job market, which, you know, we've been talking about low unemployment for a while, and we've been saying, well, that, well that's how we know the economy is doing well. All of a sudden, we're not adding enough jobs anymore. And instead of the stock market going down with the economy, it goes up. So if you're looking at this at all critically, you have to wonder what the heck is going on, and does somebody know something that you don't? Well, the reason that the uh, stock market just took off as soon as they heard the bad economic news about the job report is because the Federal Reserve was going to meet about a month later, and the last uh, couple months the Fed has been hinting that they were going to raise rates again. Well, as soon as that really lousy jobs number came in, everybody knew in, on Wall Street that, that the Fed was not going to raise rates. So they borrowed money. They borrowed money because they knew money was going to be cheap. They knew that they would be able to continue borrowing money for cheap. And not because they were trying to invest in their companies and make them better and make better products, but rather so that they could buy back their own stock. You see, many of these CEOs, whether it's for banks, etc., they make a good chunk of their salaries based on stock options. So if the stock price itself starts falling, that means that the CEO is going to make less money. That might explain why, in part, uh, Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of Chase Manhattan, J.P. Morgan, spent an entire year's salary buying up stock in Chase. It also may explain why Apple's stock continues to go up despite the fact that they have not produced anything meaningful since Steve Jobs died. What they have done is borrowed a ton of money, cheap money, to buy back stock and therefore creating a higher stock value for everyone else. And when you have something like this, which is basically huge valuations in the stock market, poor earnings, poor economy, there's nothing else you can really surmise from this other than that it's a giant stock market bubble and it's going to pop at any point. Now, I don't give out financial advice. I want to make sure that that's clear. I'm telling you my own opinions, but what I will tell you is if I were someone with a 401k or a significant IRA, I'd pull that money into cash. I'm not saying take it out of your 401k or uh, IRA, but take it out of the mutual funds and the stock market itself. That's what I would do. And I would leave it in cash for a while. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. I'm a physician, not a famous trader. Let's look at the famous traders. Well, George Soros. George Soros all of a sudden came out of sort of semi-retirement since he shorted the housing market. 
only to come out and essentially dump stocks and buy precious metals. Stanley Druckenmiller, also a famous trader, uh, recently warned of a, a big bubble, basically, and has allocated significant resources in gold. Even Goldman Sachs is now saying that equity drawdown risk appears elevated. It is very likely or that there's a high likelihood that basically there's going to be a big correction in the market or a crash. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have money in the stock market right now, it's actually even worse than having it in the casino because you're being told by the casino, you know, the top players in the casino, that you are going to lose and it's time to you know, put your chips to the side and wait for a better day. So what should you do? Well, again, I can't tell you what to do, but I'll tell you, it seems like these big-time traders like George Soros are betting a lot of money on precious metals such as gold. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and buy a bunch of gold, although I think it's not a bad idea. In fact, I'd recommend reading uh, Jim Rickard's book, The New Case for Gold, to suggest why you might have some of your portfolio allocated there. But the actual reason behind why these, uh, these folks are looking at gold is they're looking for real assets. They're looking for things that are actually tangible, you know, such as uh, gold or, you know, farmland or real estate, land, etc. And the reason for that is everyone is really anticipating inflation. Why? Well, because the Federal Reserve wants inflation. You see, when an economy doesn't grow, when it doesn't have like natural growth to increase tax revenues, to pay national debt, the only way you can pay that debt is through inflation, by devaluing how much the dollar is worth, and therefore, debt is worth less. Traditionally, you do this by keeping rates low, but of course, rates have been pretty much zero for about eight or nine years. We've also gone through three rounds of something known as quantitative easing, which is a fancy word basically to say that there's been a lot of printing of money. So, of course, it makes sense, right? If, if there's a lot of printing of money, the money... Uh, the uh, stock of currency out there is going to devalue. It hasn't really that much, um, in part because the money was given to banks and the banks aren't lending it out the way the government hoped it would. So a lot of these big wig economists uh, who know a lot more about me than this stuff believe that there is probably going to be some additional effort to try to get inflation to where it needs to be so that we can pay our debt. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I mean, in reality, again, I'm not an economist, but I do read this stuff a lot, and I like it, and I try to explain it from the perspective of a professional. But the moral of the story is that, you know, the big-time traders, those who control the economy for the most part, guys like George Soros, Goldman Sachs, they all think the market is going to crash. They're all buying precious metals, and other assets because they anticipate significant inflation. And if that's what they're going to do, well, that's what I'm going to continue to do. Fortunately for people like me, though, you know, I, we, don't, you know we don't really believe in the stock market in the first place because we can't control it. We don't understand it. We don't pretend to. So what we continue to do is simply to invest in those things that we understand. We also think about those things that are tangible assets. For example, gold. A lot of people talk about gold. And again, I don't think everybody should go out and, 
you know, trade in all their dollars for gold today. But gold is uh, pretty compelling if you look at the fact that for thousands of years it has kept its value pretty consistent. Inflation means that the price of things that you buy every day go up. So in other words, when I was a kid and I'd go to go get a can of Coke or Sprite or something like that, I'd go to a machine, I'd put in two quarters, and I'd get a can of Coke. Now I take my daughter uh, to to her tennis lesson, and then you know we try to get a soft drink afterwards, and it's like two dollars. That's inflation. On the other hand, you look at something like gold seems to have the same buying power that it did about a, a thousand years ago. That's pretty compelling, right? It doesn't mean you have to just invest in gold. What it means is you have to invest in stuff. Because when inflation happens and when it accelerates, everything costs more. So if you're on the side of someone who owns things, the value of those things goes up. If you own land, for example, you can expect that land to go up. If you own apartment buildings like I do, you can expect rent to go up. And therefore, inflation doesn't necessarily hurt you because you have a hedge. Basically, you raise rent because the dollar's worth less. But at the end of the day, uh, if you adjust for inflation, hopefully you're coming out pretty even. But wait, you might be saying, wait, didn't you just tell me to take my money out of my 401k or my IRA and put it on the sideline? I did. And uh, again, I'm not telling you what to do, but that's what I would do. You know, worse than not making money on your uh, investments is actually to lose 20%, 40%, 80% of your investment. For the most part, because of these crazy valuations in the stock market, it's really not going to protect you against inflation in the short term. Depending on, you know, when you decide to retire, it's going to be a complete crapshoot. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe you decide to retire and pull out all your money at a time when the stock market is again at an all time high and you've just, you know, ridden it into glory. To me, that doesn't sound like a good plan. At least if your money's on the sideline, you know, it's not going to lose value by, you know, those huge percentages if there is indeed a crash. The problem with keeping money in the banks right now is, of course, you're going to lose the value of the money that you have. Inflation is greater than what the uh, interest rates that you're going to get at the bank are right now. For example, so you had a hundred dollars. You basically were getting 1% on that from the bank, you know, $1 over over the course of the year in interest. Well, because inflation would be at, say, 2%, you would actually end up losing a dollar, not making a dollar. People keep talking about how Europe now has negative interest rates. Well, effectively, we do have negative interest rates because when we keep our money in the banks... Because of inflation, we are losing the value of that every day, and that's negative rates. So once we get out of this, the line of fire of a, an unstable, huge bubble of a stock market, then we can potentially shift into looking at you know these other investments in real stuff. Real stuff could just mean investing in yourself. You know, if you've got the entrepreneurial itch like I do or, you know, you think you can do something, maybe it's time to invest in yourself and, you know, start some kind of uh, simple business uh, like an online business or something like that and see if you can start making money from other streams. But of course, the easier way sometimes for professionals is to simply invest in things that other people are doing 
For example, in real estate, of course, I've said in the past that I don't think it's terribly difficult to learn how to invest in real estate. I've had some positive uh, experiences. And of course, I've had some negative experiences, which I'll share on another show. But overall, if you have a good property manager and you know you have the numbers look good, uh, there's a pretty good chance you're going to make money. Of course, there's other ways to do it too. You can invest with people who you know clearly know what they're doing. Now, uh, I, in the last few years, have gotten involved with a number of, of private investments. In other words, I've invested in people and in funds that are paying really good and regular returns that are backed by real things like real estate, uh, and I get a check every month. And, you know, if those, again, if it's real estate, you know, my cash flow is based on rents that are flowing in to these uh, to these properties, then I would expect that my checks will get bigger if inflation goes up. The beauty of this kind of investing, particularly if you're thinking about, you know, retiring someday or at least, you know, slowing down, is that if you've got constant cash flow coming in, you don't really have to run, you know, worry about running out of money. You hear about that a lot now. You've got these people back in the market, the job market, who are looking for jobs who are retired because they had banked their entire life savings on the stock market, lost most of it in 2008, and then, you know, when it was time to retire, they didn't have any any money, so they had to go back to work. But the nice thing about investing in assets that cash flow is that the presumption is, again, inflation is not is is not selective. When things go up in price, typically most things go up with it. In other words, if all of a sudden gold goes up by thousand uh, dollars, oil may you know go up by another you know hundred or two hundred dollars per barrel. Um, you know the price of your groceries might go up ten, twenty, thirty percent. So in effect, what you're trying to do by investing in assets in assets that cash flow is to hedge against that inflation. In other words, your cash flow will grow with inflation. One of the things that I'm really hoping to do over the course of the next several months is to introduce you to some really great people that I've had the opportunity uh, to invest with, or at least know people who've invested with, who uh, are doing really interesting things that you know I think are very tangible and understandable and are paying uh, good returns. And um, you know we talked about some of those people even a couple years ago. Um, on this podcast, uh, we had, uh, for example, we had George Newberry, who's uh, doing some really cool stuff with basically buying foreclosed uh, big chunks of foreclosed uh, homes uh, or people who are basically on about to get foreclosed on and then renting them back to those people after buying the houses. There's also lots of people doing syndications out there um, for real estate. and um... Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three 
and a half years. These guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. You know, I'm invested in a number of those, and so hopefully I can introduce you to some people that I've invested with or I'm thinking about investing with myself, you know, potentially give you an opportunity to um, to look at, you know, other other ways of, of actually growing towards your goals of essentially what, what we call wealth, which in a nutshell is financial freedom. So anyway, that's about it for this uh, episode of the Wealth Formula podcast, and um, we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.